and then it was Peter and me doing Oz, and now the ranks had swelled. And, uh, Which caused us. dissension in the fire sign oh, theater, yes. because David and I were getting $25 a week or something like that, which <laughs> is we more Phil and I were getting anything, anything at all. So at first so it was, mad. It was oh, really angry, fun. like, we won't come on the air until Fuck we you. get paid, <laughs> which was right, you know, because the right. basis of the fire sign theater from the beginning, which was just developing, was everybody shares everything four equal ways. Equal pay for equal, equal work. Yeah, everybody yeah, gets yeah. the same. Okay. So we finally worked that out, and by October, now the Magic Mushroom uh, is a was a nightclub owned or operated at that time by Chesley Milliken, right. a really fine cat who is now over in London. And we did a live radio show in a, in a nightclub, right, remote on KRLA, so you could listen to it on KRLA or come down and watch us for three hours. And the fire sign started to do a half-hour piece, written piece, every week. So what we did is that by in 12 weeks, we had written 12 half-hour comic radio pieces, which was a lot of work. We used to spend all day, every day, writing for this show, which we made $25 a week from. We were, I don't know how... one half-hour of the... Of the three hours, right. The rest was like interview and talking to people and playing music. And by the, by the time KRLA got us off the air, the next time, which was in January, we decided, well, shit, man, we got a lot of material, and that's when we made one of our big decisions, which is, let's put it on the stage. So we stopped radio and, and took some of these pieces and put them out at the Ash Grove, and got that together, and I went back on KRLA for a short period that next summer, and was fired almost immediately. What led to the second and third fire the, let's see, the second firing uh, was, uh, I think we were getting tired, too. We had written ourselves out, and we didn't want any more. We, we wrote ourselves well, 13, out of the magic 12, yeah, 12 shows, was, it was really, really hard. Also, we had something to do. That was yeah. the important thing, was we suddenly discovered that we had this thing. We were at the Firesign Theater. Right. Yeah. By this time, we might we made a record add that the, the record had been made before Peter went to Turkey. Oh, yeah. The record it was, was suspended early. during the summer, and when Peter came back, we finished the album, so by the time that the KRLA experience was over, which was the early part of January, just the second week, the second Sunday in January or something, it's just about the same time that the first record, Waiting for the Electrician, came out. And we, we felt that we had written material which we could now do on stage, so our next mode became a stage mode, and we, o we opened it at the Ice House in, in Pasadena just after the first record came out. Right. But the first record, though, was made right after KPFK and before KRLX. Right. Right. It was made in that period. Right. It was made in April and May of 1967. Okay. I'm sorry to interject here, but did any of you watch Silas Trial on television today? Whose trial? Dead. Well, it, oh. yes, they're trying to put it away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the interesting thing about it is that the, uh, the Chicanos walked out on the trial with things like, You'll find your finger at me, Daddy, I'm going to cut off your finger! Really? Yeah, yeah right. which we did in the records. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange the way these records come true. Yeah, yeah. We, really, we, really we are body Mexicans. Yeah. Oh, Daddy, oh. <laughs> We are... Uh, Pico, no? Yeah, see. Joe Pico and Eddie Alvarado. Joe yeah. and Eddie from the record before. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Him, the one He's with the good accent, man. Yeah. The only one that I really do the accent. I also, I also do the Mexican free English. Mexican 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 English. M
how the people that are reading the magazine will understand that we talk with these funny accents. Just to finish the, the, the radio trip, yeah. I went back on Carole for a short period in uh, the summer of 1968. It was a disaster. I lasted three weeks and I said uh, I, they ha I had to do advertisements. Hey, I'm mad at you about that because the last show you promised you were going to play the thing by the night. And all of a sudden, you were cut off by a commercial. You never played it. Was it a Flower King of Flies? Yes, yes, oh, yes. Flower King of Flies, yeah, it's a great song. Yes, why uh, didn't you play it? Well, I've played it since, I think. But, uh, <laughs> uh, what happened is I said, uh, get your get your hand up the dress of a Toyota, skirt, skirt of a Toyota, and you'll never let go. Fired. Gone. Never to return to Carolina. So that was the summer of 1968. We had a record out, and we decided we were, well, we were going to write another one. We had a contract with Columbia. So we um, we wrote, how can you be in two places at once when you aren't anywhere at all? And then Columbia said it was dirty and they wouldn't produce it. You know that story. No. And we were fired from Columbia, no, too. No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, they wouldn't pick up our car. They wouldn't well, they that. fired us particularly because they didn't want to do our second album. They said it was dirty. They didn't ever fire us. They just ignored us. They didn't pick up our option. Right. It's firing. You know, we, yeah. they, they dropped our contract, which they then picked up later on, as now, you know, because here we are talking to <laughs> yeah. a Columbia studio. Yes. The second album that they fired, they unoptioned you over, yeah. is the same material that's on the finished version of the yes, album? Yes, Nothing was yes. changed. They had a script. We oh. actually wrote a finished script and uh, submitted it. Uh, well, we changed it as we write. I mean, no, but the script we gave the script them to look at was the same it thing. It had the Lonesome American thing. Well, we do it. We, we do yeah. change it. Right. Yeah, I can see that, but I mean, between the Basically options... Basically the same, okay. right. Basically the same, right. So they, we didn't make any changes to get back with them. So there John McClure went in and waved the record. He helped us. John McClure is a... He's a vice president. Vice president. Charge of classical. Yeah, how did he mix up with McClure? I don't like their stuff. Just like that. He was just a fellow man, and and he said that he he would put out the the agreement. We finally got on Masterworks. Yes, Masterworks was going to release. That was how we got the second album. Right. And we thought until until it was released, until we had a number, till the album had a number, that it was going to be a Masterworks release. But I guess John had. That's why there's a there's a thank you to John on the back of the second album because he had actually literally made that album possible, otherwise it would have been on the like with, with a strong urging of our friend Jimmy Guarcio. Yes. yes. Jimmy how, yeah, how, did Guercio, how did he get into the thing? Guarcio came to us in the Magic Mushroom period. Right. Said, I like your stuff and I'd like to uh, manage you. I'm, you know, I'd like to get you into our family. Mm -hmm. So we, we did. And uh, he went to bat for us at Columbia, where he had a lot of power, having done blood, sweat, and tears, and bringing Chicago through. Right. And he and John McClure really were the axes to get us back on. Yeah. yeah. He and McClure were very yeah. tight with each yeah. other at that time, because Jimmy was getting into doing Moondog. Right. Yeah. So Jimmy's yeah. impulse is to go toward classical, and John's impulse is to go toward rock. So they crossed it yeah. beautifully, and we just and popped the right. there, we, yeah. we made That was sort of crock. The crock. The crock. The crux. So then, crux of gold. We had at the same time as all of this was going on, we had made we had made uh, uh, a. Yeah, would you like to make some? Would you like some of this? Just a sip. We had made an we had made an arrangement with uh, uh, Jack Poet to do some commercials. We did some Jack Poet. Uh, we did the famous Jack Ford commercials. Now, where are we now, KMET? Uh, we're now nowhere. Oh, See, okay. we're, we're now in a long summer, summer where we're writing uh -huh. and, and not doing anything. At the end of at the end of that at the end of that year, the beginning of '69. Was I appearing at the Marte Forum as part of that? Yes. We were open on stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Phil, you were working uh, down there too. No, I was before that, and then you were working after in uh, in that uh, Musica. Musica, right? 
And uh, so, as usual, Phil was working and we weren't. And uh, we talked Jack into, into, oh yes, I know. Then we got on KMET, Peter and I, doing Radio Free Oz, the Radio Free Oz team. Now they approach you and you approach them? How did that work out? Uh, in between. I, was, I think Jack, was, Jack Pope was already ready to sponsor. I know what happened. I, was, I got on it first. I know what happened. We had a great scene, a great schism, a great upset. And I went to Puerto Rico for three weeks to do sound for a movie. Uh, everybody just went their own their own way. This was like in November or something like that. Right. And I got back into town and uh, discovered that Peter had promoted a radio show on KMET through Jack Pollock, which he asked, which he, uh, which he asked uh, me to be on with him. That's when we did the Jack Pollock ads, the very first ones. So we were doing that show and uh, we were doing it alone. These guys wouldn't come in unless they could get a share of the action. And uh, we didn't want to split our twenty-five dollars a week. That, that was not KMET now. No, that no, was not was KMET. On KMET. No, KMET. No. We appeared on at the end. Yeah, we did at the end. The last two shows at the same brothers as the Finger Brothers. Remember? Remember they? I remember the moment very well. And it was just after that that we got fired. Yeah. I got fired again. putting Johnny Piss off on the radio. Oh, right, right. Okay. right? Now, how long did KMT visit the thing last? Oh, months. It, it lasted uh, November, December, January, and a little bit of February. Okay. And at the same time, we were trying to inter uh, interest KMET in producing a show from the uh, Elks Hall on the east side of town. A live weekly show. MacArthur Park, a live weekly Firesign Theater hour show, which would consist of an hour piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, an hour's war. An hour's war, <laughs> right. Interviews and so forth and so on. Well, KMET not only didn't want that, they didn't want us. But we wrote a pilot for that first show, Nick Danger. And so all of these things came down to the turn where when the record came through, we had two pieces written for yeah. the second album. And they were Nick Danger and uh, How Can You Be. And, and we went in and, uh, and then did, did the second album. And we're off radio until... We hadn't actually written Nick Danger. Yes, yes, yes. We we wrote, we wrote Nick Danger for for that 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 radio show. It was a pilot script. It was to be a live show at this big initiation lodge. It's a huge place. We were going to have an audience. We were going to have live music. Big John Sebastian and Donovan was going to come on, <laughs> and we were going to have like welcome, ladies and gentlemen, from the Elks Initiation Hall in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, Remote, you know. People would have loved it, man. It would have been a huge, beautiful yeah. event. This right is before Johnny Pissoff. Uh, this is before Johnny Pissoff. Right. 